Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For the first time in two months, equity markets have experienced some pain in the month of August with the S&P 500 down 2.7% since the start of the month. Here today to discuss these recent market developments, why they've happened, as well as whether they could continue is Jason Dreho, head of asset allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, Jason, welcome back. Thank you for joining us on the CIO Strategy Snapshot to begin yet another week. Looking forward to our conversation. Good morning, Jeff. Happy Monday. Good to be here for another week. So, Jason, I know our conversation today, to preface it for our listeners, will tie into your recent blog, which is titled Grain of Salt. So we'll dive into that a bit deeper. Maybe to set the stage, Jason, can you begin by summarizing for us the recent performance across asset classes and how it has changed from what came before? Yeah, you know, the S&P 500 was up about 20% by the end, for year to date, by the end of July. Ten percentage points of that happened just in June and July uh, by itself, as the market kind of increasingly kind of priced in this soft landing, you know, potential outcome. Uh, as we saw economic data surprised to the upside, inflation data that was showing clear signs of slowing down, and there were no real event risks that, that materialized. So there's a kind of a clear runway for the market to move higher through the, uh, you know, through the end of July. What's happened? In the first, you know, almost half of August, as we've seen the S&P pull back a little bit, it's down 2.7%, you know, since the start of the month. Uh, now, the question is, well, what's caused that? Well, really, the big story in the market the past couple of weeks has been the move higher in interest rates, and particularly higher interest rates at the kind of long end of the curve, meaning like the 10-year Treasury yield, the 30-year bond, uh, and how that impacts, you know, other parts of the fixed income landscape. We haven't really seen the two-year go up very much. What's driven the rates higher is a couple of factors that are more almost technical in nature related to policy. One was the Bank of Japan uh, announced that it's easing its yield curve control measures. Uh, this happened in late July. What the Bank of Japan has been doing for about two years is essentially saying we're going to not let the 10-year yield on the JGB, the equivalent of the 10-year Japanese Treasury, go initially above 20 basis points. Earlier this year, they'd said, well, you know, 50 basis points was the cap. So they would kind of intervene, step in, and buy the bonds to make sure yields didn't go higher. There had been talk in the marketplace, could they let that you know, drift even higher? And if, when would this happen? thought was it would be later this year. And in fact, what they announced was that they'll let the yield go up to about 1%, with a target around 50 basis points. But this is relevant because the Bank of Japan is, you know, has knock-on effects for kind of global bond markets. When they capped, essentially, the 10-year JGB yield, it meant that Japanese investors would have to look abroad to buy U.S. Treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, other investments in order to get any sort of yield. That helped to suppress yields in the U.S. By relaxing that measure, it means Japanese investors can now look to Japan and not abroad to, to get income. So that was a catalyst to have 10-year yield, 30-yield go higher. Another factor was the Treasury Department in the U.S. announcing its funding requirements for the third and fourth quarter this year. It's going to be a trillion dollars approximately in both quarters, more than expected, so we've seen a lot of supply in the treasury market, you know, uh, you know, come to the market. Uh, that's pushing up yields because you you have essentially fewer buyers, you know, given what's going on with the Bank of Japan, and a lot of supply. So all told, we've seen you know pretty sizable moves in the yield. The treasury yield is up 39 basis points, basically over the past month. The 30-year yield is up 36 basis points. Those higher yields have kind of weighed on equities, uh, you know, recently. 
Another fact, it's also helped actually the U.S. dollar rise about you know, 3% in the past month. And the other notable thing from a broad market perspective is the rise in oil. Since the beginning of July, uh, the oil prices are up about 12%, uh, as we've seen you know, supply curtailments from both Russia and Saudi Arabia. So it's been an interesting dynamic if you look at you know, the past you know, month and a half since the beginning of July and also in the past just two weeks since the beginning of August. Big move higher in rates. Equities had a strong run, pulled back a little bit recently. You're seeing oil quite a bit higher, the dollar strength, and, and then even with equities, kind of a rotation where, you know, the energy sector has been the clear leader for the past you know, month, and the tech has actually been the underperformer. So a lot of really parts, a fair amount of rotation, both, you know, across asset classes and within asset classes just in the past you know, couple of weeks. So, Jason, maybe we can focus specifically in on equities. We've spoken about throughout the course of the summer what's been driving the run-up in equity markets, thinking about June, July. Here we are in the month of August, and we've been witnessing this recent small pullback. What do you see as being the cause of the pullback we've been witnessing lately? Well, there's a few factors. One is this rate rise. You know, so the higher interest rates go, all equal, that's going to be negative for equities. Uh, for those who are in the bearish camp and they, in the marketplace, you know, this is a view that, well, maybe rates are going to stay higher for longer, even for these kind of central bank technical liquidity reasons, uh, that can ultimately be negative for growth and therefore equities. So that was one of the catalysts. Another concern that surfaced in the past couple of weeks in the market is the possibility of that inflation could actually start to reaccelerate either later this year or next year. So we had a very kind of constructive view of deflation, you know, this year where prices have come down. We're seeing you know, headline CPI around 3%. Core is now continually kind of to tick down the expectations there that will continue. But the, the, the concern is, oh, well, maybe this will go on a little bit longer. But then at some point, the fact that the economy is growing as strongly as it is, and we had second quarter GDP of 2.4%, which is thought to be above long-term trend. The data we can see for July, at least in terms of consumer spending, is actually may have accelerated in July versus uh, June. So if you get strong growth today, that's a positive for now, but it does mean that the risk of inflation will accelerate later on, perhaps it's going up a little bit. There's also been a few data points that have surprised to the upside. Uh, for example, the July payrolls report, average early earnings uh, on a month-over-month basis came in a little bit harder than expected. We saw last Friday the PPI data, the producer price index, also was a little bit higher than expectations. I mentioned oil was up 12%, so we're seeing gas prices go up. You add this all together, you know, after a pretty good runway for you know inflation coming down, the disinflation started to really kind of take hold. There's been a few say, speed bumps uh, that at least kind of question how smooth this is going to be, and also ultimately the economy is too strong, does it lead to inflation reaccelerating, which reinforces the view that either rates go higher or the Fed just has to stay even longer at an elevated level uh, as opposed to kind of starting to cut rates you know, early next year, which would have been a you know, catalyst for equities to go higher. A third factor just on the, on the positioning front is that investors earlier this year were underweight equities. People thought it would be difficult first half. They didn't materialize. As the markets rallied, they started to kind of cover some of those underweight positions. They covered short positions. So by the end of July, the markets, I think, reflected the soft line as a base case for a lot of investors. And a lot of investor position kind of got back into at least sort of a neutral position for risk versus being underweight. And some strategies that are more technically based, systematic based, probably got overweight risk. I think what we've seen in the past two weeks is a little bit of, as a result, maybe, you know, position adjustments, you know, some of the, the technicals of the marketplace become a, a little less favorable. Um, it's also August, you know, this tends to be kind of a quieter time period. So I think we have to take some of this with a, you know, grain of salt. That's the, hence the title of the blog. But I think, you know, the combination of those higher rates, 
concerns about overheating causing you know the Fed to have to do more and positioning you know less kind of a tail when more neutral to maybe even slight you know when in the near term I think have all contributed to you know, the modest pullback we've seen in equities this month. Well, Jason, I do like the tie-in there with the title. It makes a lot of sense. Now, following up on a comment you mentioned just a moment ago that higher rates are a key part of this story, what is CIO's current thinking on rates after this move higher in long-end rates? Well, the expectation is that they will go lower, that some of the move is you know, kind of technically driven. You know, people were you know, cut off a little bit by you know, these debt, like these factors with the Central Bank of Japan, the, the Treasury supply, that's kind of pushed rates higher. But if you believe, and we do that, the Fed is you know, perhaps done at most one more hike, typically what you see in, is once the Fed is done, that uh, longer-run rates kind of tend to drift lower. We also expect that you know, the economy will slow, that this pace of growth that, you know, above trend is, is unsustainable. At some point, you're going to see some crimping of activity because the rate movement, because the policy tightening, so as you see the U.S. economy slow a little bit as we move into year-end, that's also a catalyst for long-end rates to come down. Uh, and the other thing is uh, the, the, you know, the Fed may be done, like the, the hike at the end of July might be the last one. It looks like given the inflation data that we have received thus far that September, well, they have justification for skipping December, September, leaving November, early November meetings sort of live where they could hike. But if the economy slows, inflation keeps coming down, if they don't hike in September, chances are the economic conditions wouldn't warrant a hike in, in November, and therefore they're done. So really, I think the focus now in the marketplace is going to shift much more to just how long will they keep rates high, when will they first cut, and at what pace will they you know, cut. And I think that's, that's the kind of the, the, the debate in the marketplace. What we've seen in the past few weeks is not so much that rates you know, have gone higher in terms of the two-year, because the expectations for the Fed hiking haven't gone up. What we've seen is the market basically pricing out one full cut for next year relative to what had been done. So it's still around 100 basis points, a little more of cuts next year, starting in about the, the May time frame. But about a month ago, it was more like around 140 basis points of cuts. So it's consistent with the Fed the being kind of higher for longer. Now, the closer we get to that, as we move into year end, those cuts kind of get near, and that's going to likely lead to, to rates you know, decline. We don't think they're going to go a whole lot higher, but given sort of the, the liquidity situation, given the strength of the economy, perhaps the Fed ends up surprised and doing, you know, actually more hikes than anticipated and have to stay in on hold even longer. That would bias rates to, to go drift even a little bit higher. But at this point in time, we don't think that's likely. We think the more likely scenario is that the economy slows and rates drift lower between now and year end. So, Jason, if you were to bottom line it for investors, what should they be doing at this point? What's your guidance when it comes to portfolio positioning? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I asked the question in the blog title, like, what's next? And then I said, you know, the markets might be kind of listless or directionless for the time being as it searched for the next kind of direction. They had already priced in a soft landing. Investors have kind of repositioned their portfolios for that soft landing. Now you need some sort of catalyst or information for the market either to kind of continue to break further up to the upside or into negative news to kind of break to the downside. One month of data wouldn't be sufficient without, you know, uh, also an indication of the Fed is really kind of altering its policy path in some way that would be material for the markets. So I think what we're seeing right now, and this is consistent with the markets, looking at these different data points, looking at, uh, the, you know, the market performance and sort of trying to explain what's going on, you know, searching for some different possibilities uh, and different scenarios in a way that before that wasn't the case, you know, as we, they were just sort of readjusting to the soft line being the base case. So I think this is the dynamic that we're going to play out for the rest of this month into September until we start to get 
more data that either affirms or is more consistent with the self-landing or that, in fact, those self-landing you know, likelihood is, is less than what the market is anticipating to get some guidance from the Fed in terms of how long they might continue to be on the, on the cutting or the hiking path versus looking to cut. So I think we're, we're choppy in the markets for the time being through, you know, at least until September and perhaps the FOMC meeting and maybe into the fourth quarter. Uh, so in that environment, what we do like is think about what the fixed income sounds like almost a bond barrel barrel. You can get, you know, good income at the front of the curve, but where yields are right now with the, the taper at 4% or higher, this is a good opportunity to kind of lock in those rates, get the benefit of um, the income, but also if the economy does slow, those rates decline, you get the benefit of sort of portfolio diversification and sort of the total return impact of, of the, you know, of the duration of, of rates declining. Uh, I would think you can do that by buying high quality bonds, not necessarily taking, you know, that much risk in, in the credit space. But in equities, uh, you know, get a sort of choppy market for the time being. Uh, we still like some of the laggards of the markets, you know, that have underperformed relative to just the big seven sort of tech-related stocks. We think there's still some catch-up potential there. We think oil prices are likely to go a little bit higher, which is why energy, it's done well recently. We think there's a little bit more runway for energy to outperform, you know, the markets overall. So I think for the time being, is is kind of continuous sort of position in that way. Uh, continue to sort of look for laggards in the equity market with him. There's still upside. So something like an equal-weighted index is a nice way to, to play that, at least for the S&P 500 at this point in time. So those are a couple of ideas that we like. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, oil going higher. So within the commodity space, that is the one asset class that looks particularly appealing at the moment. Jason, as always, thank you for dropping by top of the morning to kick off the week, provide some thoughts around what you're picking up on in markets, what's driving movement, and, of course, the guidance when it comes to positioning across a range of asset classes. So a productive conversation as always, Jason. Have a great week ahead and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again next Monday. You're welcome. Have a great week. Thank you, Jason. Again, today we have been joined by the head of asset allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, Jason Dreho. I do want to highlight again to our listeners, our clients of UBS, Jason's recent blog, which he has been making reference to during our conversation today, that title, Grain of Salt, is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of Jason's blog directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.